We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. These guys are like the mortar between the bricks that keep us bonded when we're going through hard times. That's Mike Rossi speaking about his experience with early-onset Alzheimer's. We'll hear more from him and two of his friends in a few minutes. An estimated 6.5 million Americans aged 65 and older are living with Alzheimer's dementia. The disease can be isolating and stressful, both for the person with the disease and their loved ones. Yolanda Wright is a licensed social worker. For the past decade, she served as program manager for the Greater Maryland Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, overseeing support groups across the state. These groups are led by volunteers and tailored to meet the needs of different populations. When we spoke in October, I asked Yolanda Wright to describe the different people the support groups are built around. The majority of the groups are for caregivers that are caring for someone mostly in the middle and the late stages. But we do offer specialty groups such as early stage. uh, That includes not only the care partner, but the person with the memory loss. We have also specialty groups for uh, frontal temporal lobe dementia, Korean, Latino, uh, young adult, and LGBTQ caregiver support groups as well. So there's a lot of variety. The groups for caregivers and people with diagnosis, do they meet separately or together? So they are together for the first few minutes of the meeting time to open up the meeting, uh, ground rules, announcements, things like that. The majority of the meeting time is separate. So each group, the people with the memory loss, Uh, has a facilitator, as well as the care partners has a facilitator. And then at the end of the meeting time, they close the meeting together. Well, tell me more about what happens at a typical support group meeting. You know, it is, first of all, just a very safe and welcoming, non-judgmental environment. They can freely talk about their concerns, uh, bring their questions, and know that the people that they are sharing this in this very special community, if you will, um, really understands because they're going through the same journey. So it's very powerful that they can not only get the experience of not feeling alone, but people understanding what they're going through, but also that it can be a positive experience, as it has been for our gentlemen that will be talking to us in a few minutes. Tell me some of the specific topics that might come up. Many times it's financial. You know, sometimes people are trying to figure out, you know, having to retire from work. How is life going to look like financially for the family moving forward? Just coping. Um, Everything, there has to be adjustments in roles, in the way that we do things sometimes. And so all of that can be discussed as well. How many people typically attend a support group meeting? A good number is around 10, maybe 12 people. The early stage young onset group is actually larger than that. So we're probably talking about it in total of maybe 25 or so people. And how did the pandemic affect your support group offerings? Wow. You know, we saw the the change so much in, unfortunately, the progression of dementia 
as the pandemic hindered people from coming together and having times of socialization. Uh, a lot of people progressed out of the early stage and, and into the disease. A lot of our groups, we were all in person and then we had to go virtual. And so that was challenging for some people because of maybe their lack of knowledge or accessibility to you know the internet. So there were some people that weren't able to be a part of a support group. Um, but we worked as much as we could in trying to get people connected either via telephone or Zoom to be able to, you know, continue to provide that support for them. So how many how many support groups are you offering now? At this point, we have probably about 45. Uh, we had more than that prior to 2020. Now we're starting to build back up. This is On the Record on WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast speaking with social worker Yolanda Wright, who oversees dementia support groups organized by the Greater Maryland chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. We're talking about how these groups can offer emotional support after a diagnosis. How important is this space to people who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? You know, it is a very lonely place to be sometimes. You can feel that you're very alone in this. No one is understanding what is happening. Even though you can have really great loved ones to be supportive, just not being able to really fully understand is huge. And so when you are able to come into a group that they're going through the same journey as you, that's very powerful. They can understand the same frustrations and questions and uh, the what ifs in our minds and the struggles and challenges that we have. And then really try to build on what those are and lift it up to what our abilities are. You know, we can still live, we can still have a wonderful time and enjoy so many things, maybe with some little adjustments, but we can still have a beautiful time, a beautiful life. And I think that the groups helps people to be realistic about challenges, but also help them see, yes, let's enjoy this time together. What about caregivers? What can they get out of these groups? For caregivers, it can be very um, isolating because many of them are working full-time and then they are coming home and trying to be a caregiver or a care partner. And many times, unfortunately for caregivers, and depending on the stage uh, of the disease, uh, where they might be having to do more hands-on care, um, you know, that is their life. Uh, there's no time for socialization. And, and unfortunately, some friends and sometimes even family members can go by the wayside. And so their life changes as well. And so it's so important that they also can come together uh, in this group um, of people that are experiencing what they are, just like the people with the memory loss, the care partners are able to be with people and they can share openly their questions, their concerns. Communication, I think, is one of the biggest things that we have to work on and understand how it changes throughout the course of the, di 
the disease. And so um, this is a great place within the support groups to kind of learn how to better communicate. Can caregivers come even if their loved one doesn't want to participate themselves? Absolutely. For early stage groups, as we said, it is for both, but the care partner can definitely come without the, the their loved one. You know, some people aren't ready uh, to go and be a part of a group. And then some are right away. They want to get connected right away. So we have to look at the individual and where they are. Uh, we do have some social engagement programs. So we try to bring the early stage person in, at least in the social settings first, and maybe they can get acclimated to the group and then they can maybe begin to go into the support group if they would like. But definitely care partners and then caregivers as the disease progresses are certainly welcome to come. Yolanda, thanks for talking with us. Absolutely, thank you for this opportunity. Social worker Yolanda Wright is the program manager for the Greater Maryland chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. We spoke in October. At the On the Record page, we have a link to information about local support groups. The Alzheimer's Association's 24-7 helpline is 1-800-272-3900. Again, it's 1-800-272-3900. Short break on the record. When we're back, we meet a trio brought together by early-onset Alzheimer's. They've nicknamed themselves the Optimistics. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. While it's rare for Alzheimer's disease to be diagnosed in people under age 65, it happens. It's hard to track, but research suggests between 220,000 and 640,000 people in the U.S. are living with early-onset Alzheimer's. In October, I spoke with three men all diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's, Dennis Myers, Jim Hersey, and Mike Rossi. They met at a support group in Hunt Valley organized by the Greater Maryland Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. They formed a deep friendship and have dubbed themselves the Optimistics. I asked Dennis Myers why they call themselves Optimistics. Well, after we had been uh, together for a short period of time, really, we thought we wanted to push away this disease. And we wanted to fight it by coming up with things like being um, optimistic about the whole thing. So it sort of just was natural to go and become the optimistics. Jim, what drew you three together? I think the common bond of what we were fighting against. um, I think it's been incredibly beneficial to all of us who have had, particularly on the um, 
the Alzheimer's side mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a plethora of um, material that we share with each other. Um, we also spend a lot of time kind of talking with each other in terms of how we're feeling, um, what's happening to our bodies and things like that. I think that's the major thing um, in terms of the the Alzheimer's issues that we're all kind of dealing with. Mike, no one knows what you're going through like the optimistics do. Tell me some of what you can share with each other that you may not be able to share with other people. I love these guys. They're like my brothers in arms. And um, we we share, uh, you know, a lot of personal stuff. And uh, these guys are like the mortar between the bricks that keep us bonded when we're going through hard times. Um, maybe talk about, uh, took a test, to the cognitive test we didn't do so well on. And we try to support each other and just, you know, going through some of the, um, uh, the demands or the things that this, this disease has set upon us. And we try to offset it by, you know, by connecting with each other. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, things about topics that are fun to talk about is uplifting as well as some of the, some of the things that are, um, are scary about the disease and only the people that have this could understand what it is like to go through this. So it's uh, very essential, I think, to have um, people that are going through this um, that will truly understand your most inner fears and challenges that you're going through. A lot of people could not understand it. They just don't understand. They wouldn't know. And that's okay. It's just that these guys here, um, they're my go-to team of friends that uh, can kind of, when I fall into a hole, they can pull me out. Yeah, well said. Dennis, what was it like getting this diagnosis after having had a career as a physician's assistant? (laughs) Well, I knew um, a good bit about it. I did not expect to have it. And when it did um, become the diagnosis of why I was uh, having problems, um, I just had to navigate through uh, what some of the problems were, uh, just the, the mere diagnosis, uh, how we could manage ourselves, how we could find people who were like us, and uh, being able to come to grips with a situation that ultimately may not be um, pleasant in the end, but nevertheless that navigation would be warm and loving and helpful for all of us. Had you, as a physician's assistant, been involved in diagnosing or treating people with dementia? Yes. Uh, When I was working, um, I did. And uh, ironically, when I look back, I would be an initial practitioner and diagnose it, but we uh, very quickly would send somebody off to a um, neurologist because they were the experts. And sometimes that's where it ended for the primary care practitioners. Mm-hmm. And really, the, the that group 
primary care practitioners are the ones who take care of these people and take care of all of us. And the best thing that could have been happened was to have them follow right along. Mm-hmm. This is On the Record on WIP. I'm Sheila Cast speaking to the optimistics, Dennis Myers, Mike Razi, and Jim Hersey. All three were diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease and bonded in a tight friendship after meeting in a support group organized by the Greater Maryland Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Jim, you were senior vice president of two Maryland hospitals. What was it like facing the end of your career? Yeah, it was devastating, to be honest. Um, very difficult, um, you know, when you're when you've been in the healthcare field and and you've been working for that for so many years, and then all of a sudden, it's it was much more challenging. Um, it was much more challenging in terms of coordination and and how you talked with you know my my wife's a nurse practitioner as well, and we were trying to figure out like what was going on. I think the the interesting thing about that was, and I'll lead up to the optimistics at the end here. Um, you know, when you spend you know 30 years in healthcare, and then all of a sudden you're being told you were lead, were turning you outside of the organization for other, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, other care is something, you know, each of us kind of turn towards. And a lot of us go, had, you know, created um, environments, just like the optimistics, like we were saying. Um, I don't think I would have been in this program if I didn't have that, particularly the materials that we're, we get from the Alzheimer's Association. All the work that that team does is phenomenal. But I think it's, 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 it's a challenging <laughs> disease, as you might guess. I mean, most of us will die from this. And what are the ways that we can kind of bond together and get the best out of life, I guess. You are the first person with Alzheimer's to serve on the board of the Greater Maryland Alzheimer's Association chapter. Why is this important? Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, everybody's trying to do what they can. I think my role is just to help and, and, and kind of bond with my team on this issue. And how do we continue to continue to fight the disease? Mike, your diagnosis came in the aftermath of a heart attack. What happened? Well, after um, um, when I was recuperating at home, I noticed that I was, you know, and my sister noticed having some memory issues and they seem to have gotten worse. You know, my care nurse would come to the house and she was concerned. So she called a, a nurse that was a cognitive nurse and tested me and felt that it was best to call my physician. And from there, we went through a whole series of tests and the test revealed that uh, it was a devastating re- revelation of, that I had early onset of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really shocked and devastated, like most people do when they get this at such a young age. And then I was basically forced to retire because I was a, I was working, I was avionics technician, technician on helicopters. So like, like Jim and Dennis, uh, my career was kind of um, derailed and um, not that that's what I wanted to do, but that's what had to happen. 
and it is an isolating experience and um it's scary when you're told the things you have and um and i i would just add that um through all this in this conversation we're having that the only one of the most saving the saving grace for me was after all this going through this chaos was that um there was a support group out there for for people of our age thank god uh for the for connection and with people like jim and dennis and the whole group that can help us and give us um connection and and a sense of meaning and we're not alone and that's probably the thing that we is the biggest i think the biggest uh, um problem is the fact that there's a loneliness factor to everything of this and you know it's like a lot of people can't understand what we're going through um inside and feel like there's like this time bomb inside us it's invisible bomb it's going to go off so it feels like it's scary so thank god for connection and people and deb hannah and helping put the group together and stuff like that because you know i live down st mary's county and i still can drive and i do okay but it, I go up there once a month and I try to get up there and meet with these people to kind of shower me with all these, these lovely people and the support groups and Jim Dennis. And it's, it's really essential. It's like being oxygen to breathe. That's how I feel about it. Dennis, what would you tell someone who recently has been diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's? You have to be very gentle. I would probably sit down and talk with the, uh, family over what we feel may be going on, uh, gradually um, ease them into the notion that uh, things are going to change. You're not going to be able to drive. Loss of independence. Uh, not knowing where to turn. Even the most uh, wonderful neurologists, I don't think can really, really understand that and make it and 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 help navigate us uh, along the way so if the primary care can stay um course it's one more um important cement in how we can uh live our lives as as much as possible i have been incredibly lucky in being on both ends of the, the you know, the situation. And in, in all the time that I've, I've been working, I have never found two people who would have the strength and quite frankly, the love to keep me going. So that, that's what I would have uh, done. Mike, you've all been eloquent about what the friendship among you means for you. Tell me what it meant to you after your brother passed away suddenly. Well, first of all, going through this, this, this diagnosis and experiencing this is like kind of a, you know, you feel like things are getting taken away from you. And then this happens when my brother passing from COVID it was a very dark and lonely place for me personally. Um, it kind of touches on your own mortality a little bit, but it's just uh, at the same time, it's um, it was hard. And, 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 and so you need to go someplace for support 
And again, I, I guess I fall back on the optimistics who I, I, I talked my heart out and it was like, it was in a dark hole. You know, people can talk to you and all, but Jim and Dennis, they jumped in the hole with me and helped me um, with this despair and darkness. And um, in a way that a lot of people don't, couldn't understand it. Death in a family is bad enough, but uh, you know, when you have this disease, it's just like, it's just that a lot of things start not to make sense to you anymore. And you kind of lose this, maybe a little bit of faith in what's going on in this world. So you need people close by, a support system. And I can't say that enough. That is so essential because again, that is what keeps us together. It's what keeps us grounded and kind of in this crazy world, it keeps us kind of, you know, we, it's going to be okay type feeling. It's beautiful. And I'm grateful to all three of you for this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. Dennis Myers, Mike Rossi, and Jim Hersey call themselves the optimistics. They met at a support group for people diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease. We spoke in October. We have information about local support for Alzheimer's disease at the On the Record page at WYPR.org. The Alzheimer's Association's 24-7 helpline is 1-800-272-3900. 1-800-272-3900. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm.